Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are you hungry for adventure? Do you crave hilarious and perilous tabletop campaigns? Don't bother rolling perception, pal. We've got you covered. Behold! Dungeons and Doritos, Nerdy Show's epic tabletop audio drama, a cinematic serial of mayhem-filled, morally questionable quests at DungeonsAndDoritos.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom. From comics and video games to science and technology, if it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. And in this episode, we're going to share with you a panel I did at North Carolina Comic Con Oak City earlier this year. It's a spotlight on Jen Cohn, a voice actor whose work you've certainly heard around over the years. Not only is she quite prolific, but she's participated in a number of very nerd-centric franchises such as Avatar The Last Airbender, Star Wars The Old Republic, Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption. But the thing she's now quite famous for in the nerd world, is as the voice of Farah from Overwatch. In this panel, we talk about her casting for Overwatch, her reaction to getting swept up into one of the biggest video games, her favorite roles, some great insights into the world of voice acting, and much more. This is one of a number of panels I did at North Carolina Comic Con Oak City, and we'll link to all the others on this episode's page for you to check them out. But right now, let's talk to Jen Cohn. Obviously, this is your first time at North Carolina Comic Con. Yes. What was the first convention you ever went to? This is only my second convention ever. I did BlizzCon in November, and now I'm here. So. Wow. Yeah. So this is rather special. This is very special. <laughs> this is extremely special. Guys, I'm cutting my teeth on this crew, so thank you. Well, let's then circle back even farther to your acting career and, and where it began. I wanted to be an actress from the time I could talk. I was like one of those, you know, wannabe actress children. And so my parents put me in acting school when I was like six. And then I went to better ones and better ones. Then I went to college at Emerson College in Boston and majored in acting. And then when I got out, I tried to go, oh my God, how am I going to do this? And I started acting in really terrible, terrible plays and independent films in New York. But while I was starting, I started getting picked up for voiceover gigs. And producers kept stopping me 
and asking me, you know, do I do voiceovers? You've got a great voice for voiceovers, blah, blah. And so I kept going in and doing voiceover gigs. And voiceovers were amazing and fun and creative and less frustrating than the terrible shows and the terrible independent <laughs> films I was doing. Then there came a point where I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to focus more there. And I'll do some on camera and I'll do some on stage, but I'll really focus on voiceover. And that sort of took off maybe 15 years ago is when it really took off as a voiceover person. What were those first voice gigs? Were they like advertising or? or yeah, mostly adver it started with advertising gigs. My first animated or cartoon gig that I did was for Avatar, was Ursa and Avatar, Zuko's mom. Man, that's, so that was, that, yeah. That's a big, right off the bat, I, I had gig. no idea how big a gig it was when I booked it. I had absolutely no idea. But that was my first, it was my first animated gig. And I had no idea that how much staying power it would have. Because still, I mean, to this day, when I, when I mention that, people go, <gasps> and that's, that's like the one where everyone freaks out. And I had no idea when I did it. I, I couldn't have known. But I got to work with a great, very famous voice director named Andrea Romano. And over the years, I've gotten to work with her a bunch of times, and she was just amazing. She's one of those people that, someone's about to mention like a voicing director, I'm like, I know who it is, and then you say that name, and you're like, oh. Oh, yeah. She's done literally everything. Everything. <laughs> everything. She's, she's just amazing. She's like one of those. So. Yeah, probably like the most legendary? Arguably, of... yes. And then, you know, we laugh because then the voice director of Blizzard is Andrea Toyas. So we said in order to be a successful voice director in Los Angeles, <laughs> you have your to name. be named Andrea. And you have to, that's, <laughs> but the two of them, they're both amazing. <laughs> From Avatar then, let's look at what it's like to get on the fringes of a fandom based on your involvement and, you know, doing bit parts, voice acting and so on. All of a sudden you get adopted into this family with something that has like a, you know, an avid fandom like Avatar. So when did you first become aware of that experience, being caught up in like something bigger than you anticipated? I knew that it was a big deal because I knew that lots of kids that I knew were watching it, but I wasn't really actively aware. It's not like it was calling to me. And I mean, I've done, I don't know, six or seven GTAs and none of those. I, I knew that it was a big deal. And when it would be mentioned to someone, I would find out that they played it, but I, it wasn't a big thing. The biggest thing that's happened has been Overwatch. And Overwatch is the one that really found me more than anything. Overwatch How's is the that? thing. Well, because here I am, like going about my life. Like I've got my nice normal life and I do a few <laughs> different things. And then suddenly I start getting letters at my agent from different countries to, to write letters and sign things. And through my fashion dilettante site, I also do fashion consulting and branding. So I, through fashion dilettante, start getting emails, are you the Jen Cohn who does Farah and Overwatch? And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, and requests for interviews. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on with this game? Because I've done other games. I've, I've been doing Lord Zash in the Old Republic for 11 years almost now. And I didn't, I, this didn't happen before. So this game really has been the one where I said, oh, wow, this is much bigger than me just doing a voice in a fun game than me having this cool gig. And then, once I went on Twitter, the other voice actresses found me. And then I suddenly were like, we're all having lunch, and we're all doing videos. And so it, it all, it, it no really kidding. came around. Yes, That's... it's been like sleepaway camp in this game. <laughs> we're all like, oh my God, see you next summer, see ya. It's, it's like the sweetest thing, it's really great. Do you do table reads or like cast stuff for, for Overwatch? It doesn't seem like that no, kind of No, no, we don't at all, no. What we do is we each are in the booth individually, alone, and we do our sessions alone with our voice director. But something about this cast really has been uniting and everyone is so warm and it's like a family. It's like being a cast of a film or a cast of a play 
where everyone became friends really fast. Everyone got to know each other really quickly. Literally within a week of me being on Twitter, I had had lunch with four cast members. I was like crazy. I didn't know what was going on. And since then, I've befriended a bunch of them. I was just in Paris, and I was hanging out with Chloe, who's Widowmaker's VA. And so, <laughs> so it's, it's so nice getting to see everyone. And then we all you know, text each other, you know, where are you going to be? What convention will you be at? What you can do? What are you wearing? What are you packing? It's, like, it's the nicest. It's very cool. Wow. I yeah. would not ever have anticipated that. Nor would I, ever. <laughs> ever. That's really wild. Obviously, Overwatch is kind of a big deal. And you say, so that was fan mail that's been trickling in via your various outlets and so on? It started with fan mail. It started with posters were mailed to me to sign. And then I got requests through Fashion Dilettante to do interviews. And it was on the first of those interviews that the guy who was interviewing me explained to me how big a deal this had become. And that I was, in fact, difficult to find, which I didn't realize. I didn't know that I had been elusive. So that was when I went, oh, oh wow, okay, I better, I better do something. And then after that is when I opened a Twitter account, and then suddenly the floodgates opened. So, yeah, and then soon after that got invited to BlizzCon, and then now I've been invited to a bunch of conventions. So here we go. We'll see if the uh, convention circuit, you know, eats you alive, or you're like, yeah, this is the best. I, I like this so far. <laughs> this works. This is nice. One of the questions that everyone inevitably asks at any panel featuring a voice actor is how do they get into voice acting? And every story is a little bit different, but I figure I just knock out a certain portion of the questions that were inevitably coming forth and ask it right off the bat. I love it. Okay. Yeah. How does one get into voice acting? It can be difficult. However, if you are persistent and decide that that is what you're doing and that's what you want to do, and nowadays you can do much more on your own trying to advocate for yourself and build a career than you could have years ago, the first thing that I would do is listen to a lot of commercials and play a lot of video games and watch a lot of animation and hear what the styles are and the trends are. And then I would go onto a site like Voice123 or there are several other sites like this that you can do castings and you can do auditions directly to casting directors without having to go through an agent. I would make sure that you have a good USB mic and it doesn't have to be very expensive. I personally like the AT2020 Audio-Technica and I think it's like $70 or something. And just start auditioning because like anything, it's just a matter of auditioning, auditioning, auditioning. And then you have to be able to hear yourself and have enough perspective to say, do I need to do this better? What could I be doing better? What does it sound like something that would be cast? And then if you like it, then find a class. See if there's a voiceover class available near you that you can take. And if you consistently do that, then that's how it will begin. I mean, usually nowadays people start by doing, getting cast in things online, non-union. You don't have to have an agent first thing off the bat anymore. Whereas that used to be the only way in. And now it's not. Something fundamentally changed in the industry, or is it simply like... Technology. Yeah. Just technology. I mean, you know, there used to not be a way to get your voice out there. I mean, now also, the other thing I would strongly suggest is if, that if you animate, or if you have animator friends, if you do claymation, if you do any of it, make your own projects and put them up. Just keep making stuff and voicing it and putting it up and putting it out there. Because the more attention something like that gets, the more you'll be known. There are plenty of people who do voiceovers now who did it from little independent projects that were noticed. And if you have a collection of those, then that could be your resume. That could be the way that people see what you do and what you're capable of and what your range is. You don't need a reel anymore. You don't need that if you have a bunch of shorts that you've done where you voice different characters, then they have a sense of your range. And that's a, a better way to roll. 
Voicing for games is no small feat. You often hear time and time again about the plight of voice acting and how voice actors get stretched much thinner than screen gigs. Yes. So when did you first discover, I guess, the hardships of voice acting? Oh, I love it, though. I mean, I can't really right. call it a hardship. It's so much fun. Um, I, I learned that it was physically exhausting and harrowing. What was the first? It was a game for Ubisoft. I don't remember what it, the game was. It's, <laughs> I, God, I don't remember what it was. But it was the first game that I had where they were like, okay, you're falling out of an airplane. You're falling out of an airplane at this pace. You're falling through a window. You're getting pushed out a window. You're getting, the, I like suddenly having to like go through all of these crazy machinations and like ripping my vocal cords apart. That was the first time I ever had to do that. Wow, this is really cool. This is good. I like <laughs> to make sure you have a lot of tea with honey. You can't do it two days in a row. And they always leave the screaming and dying part to the end. Because you can't get through the rest of your gig with your voice being intact if you do it at the beginning. Has any um, performance capture ever been a part of that? Like, I have never done performance capture. That's I've never done that. I, I would totally be into it. I know it's like, it's not particularly common, but it's getting more common. That's why I asked. Well, I know Carolina, who does Sombra's voice, has done motion capture stuff. But I don't know who else in the cast has done that before. Do you have any, like strong opinions about the voice acting industry and the way that the, the gaming industry handles voice actors and so on. I mean, there's strikes and so on that have happened, so are you, are you just going to rise up? Like, is things going to get better? Or, I mean, it seems like you love your job, so obviously I that's I absolutely that. love my job to death. I love it. I think that voice actors should get a bigger cut of the pie. I think that yeah, we bring enough to the characters that we should get a bigger cut. I mean, there's no residuals for voice acting. You know, you get your session fee and you don't get a residual, and that seems really outrageous to me. You don't get a bump, you know, like you don't get a bonus once the sales go beyond a certain amount, and I think that we should get that. I think that nobody understood exactly where the technology was gonna go and how big gaming was gonna get when they first negotiated those contracts, and now the gaming companies are dependent on make keeping a certain amount of their profits and weren't thinking about sharing those profits with the voice actors. And the last couple of sets of union negotiations did not go that well in the voice actors' favor. And now, with Overwatch League, I keep thinking, oh God, this next set of negotiations is gonna be really interesting for the union, because I think, I think that we should get a bigger cut of the pie. I hope so. Yeah, I think More that than seems deserving. fair. Yeah. And thanks to the convention circuit and things like that, your recognition is far more than it was in the you know, past decades for voice actors. It's been incredible. It's been really incredible. So I have this nine-year-old kid. He's the best. And so I was at a Chinese New Year party last week, a belated Chinese New Year party with him. And it's a party I've been to a bunch of years with my kid. It's like super fun. And this guy comes up to me, like in the middle of all of these like mom and dad friends. Says, oh my God, oh my God, you're far the water, watch your Gen Con. And all the parents like turn and look, and I'm like what, what is this, what's happening? And like they had no idea. And they're like, how does he know who you are? How does he know your name? How does he know? And I had to explain to like these parents that because of social media and because of YouTube, that's how people knew who I was, like when I walked into a room. Because Whoever knows what the voice actor looks like. This game and social media has totally changed the way that people perceive voice actors. It's been crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. So funny. With a game like Overwatch that's constantly expanding, how yeah. often do they pull you back in? 
Totally depends on the stretch of time. Yeah. Totally depends. It can be as little as six weeks to two months, and it can be as much as six months. My first session was three and a half years ago in August on my birthday. So, yeah, I know, right? It was so nice. What about something like the Old Republic that's constantly expanding? Like, is it a different gig between, say, you know, Overwatch, which has a certain kind of play style, and something like that that's like a, a deeper RPG sort of experience? For my part, yeah. it's very similar. Yeah. Like, in terms of my... And it's the same thing. So now it's 11 years. So in the beginning, it would be every six weeks or so that I would be going in and doing updates. Now it's more like every six months. I don't go in all the time. But there will be stretches where two months will go by and I'll go in. But the, the game style doesn't affect my part in yeah. Well, how much do they tell you about the character? Because there seems like there could be a great deal of separation between... I mean, I've heard stories about voice actors who, who go in for a part, they read, they get some cursory information about the character, and then discover that, oh, I was a lead, and I didn't even realize that. You know, like, so how much do you typically know? So it's, a, it's actually... This is a funny story. So I had done voices for uh, Warcraft... And so the people at Blizzard knew me. And one day I get this casting notice about four years ago for a game. They, they, I think it was called Prometheus then. That was the code name for Overwatch. And it was a character name that wasn't Farah. And all they told me was that she was aggressive and she was Egyptian. And they gave me these very sort of menacing lines. <laughs> and, and I'm like, and I know nothing. That's literally all I know. So I did this like super sinister, ominous character and I did this like really ominous villainous voice I send it in I think nothing of it and when you audition a lot you forget about every audition it's partly a trick so you don't get attached to anything and you don't we don't wonder or worry are you going to get the gig but anyway I did it I sent it I forgot it I never thought about it again six months later I get a call that I have booked some game called Overwatch and I'm Farah and be in the studio on your birthday and I say to my agent, I never auditioned for Overwatch. I never auditioned for Far. I have no idea what you're talking about. This is not. And she goes, no, 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 you booked this. And I said, okay, they made a mistake. They totally made a mistake. So I show up at the studio and I get on the mic and it's, you know, Michael Chu and Jeff Kaplan's on the phone and Andrea Toys, like maybe four or five people. And first thing I say is I go, oh my God, guys, look, you, you screwed up. It's, it's not me. You made a mistake. Um, there must be another Jen Cohn in L.A. who's a voice actor, who you, you know, and that must be what happened, because I'm not, I didn't audition for this, and they all start laughing, and I said, and they play for me this, this evil <laughs> audition that I did, and they said it was this, and I said, wait, I remember the evil audition, and they explained to me who she is, and they described her as the Captain America of the game. They said, okay, she's Captain America, think Captain America. So that session is when we found her voice, and that's when we found her tone, and it was really cool. And I said, okay, this was a fun gig. This is a good birthday gig. And I went to my agent afterward who said, Jen, I think this game's going to be a really big deal. I think this is going to be, this is big. It's a big character. It's a big deal. And I shrugged, and I went, oh, okay, great, cool, nice, and didn't think anything of it. And then it wasn't until I saw the introductory, they had that first animatic, and that's when I first saw it. Oh, 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 okay, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I, had, but I really had no idea. What you're talking about, about developing the voice live with an audience, like kicking things back and forth, is that usually how it works for cat? I mean, like, because you, you turn an evil Farah, and they're like, but no, you're Captain America. Like, right. That's, that's not a little, evil. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I felt like the voice that I did really suited 
the character they envisioned. So I was very happy with it. And what's nice is it's ever evolving. So because then I see her and I see what skins they're doing for her, the way that her character has evolved has been very much in tandem with how the characters developed. Andrea Toyas is an extraordinary casting person because she knows exactly what she's looking to hear when she's looking for actors, and she's incredible. She'll search high and low. The story of her finding Doomfist was outrageous. The voice for Doomfist, he's so unbelievable. She'd been listening to all these auditions, all these auditions, nothing, nothing, nothing. But she remembered that seven years earlier, she had been in New York and seen a Broadway show. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. About the life of Fela Kuti, and the star from that would have been unbelievable for this voice. She tracks the actor down. She tracks the manager down. The guy's never done a voiceover ever in his life. She has him do the audition, he's Doomfist. That's Sar. So she's a visionary, like she has an idea. So I think that when Andrea asked for me to do the audition, she was looking for something, and she'd worked for me before, but she knew that in whatever this villain Farah was that I did, was I think a certain depth and groundedness and soulfulness that she was looking for, like a strength and soulfulness, and that we could then shift it and make it a heroic one and not a villainous one. So what does a what does a villain Farah sound like? Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, okay, let me, I gotta remember. I have to remember. I think it was more. There was it was. I mean, it was really. It was like a super sinister. Oh, it would have been justice reigns from above. Was that? It was like a. It was a. <laughs> The sinister that's, one. That's grim. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was really different. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely don't want anybody to ever say that to No, you. no, definitely <laughs> like, not. I don't want that kind of justice. <laughs> Typically, when you do the audition, you have to bring whatever the quality is. They're not looking to develop it with you so much. I mean, certainly with Lord Zash, like, I did that audition the way I imagined it, and that was what they wanted. And did you so. know what you were doing? At the, like, I mean, in terms of, like, did they tell you the part for Lord Zash? What they didn't do for Farah is what they did for Zash. For Zash, I had a drawing, I had a very fleshed out character description, and Zash's lines sound like how I would want to perform it. So there, there was no way of misreading it. Like once I saw what she looked like, and you know, she has all these sort of sneery voice lines, and she's very tongue in cheek and funny. So it, it was. It was easy to come up with that character, whereas these lines that I had for Farah and the description I was given and no photograph or no, no drawing made it easier for me to misunderstand what direction they were taking. <laughs> What's it like when you're 
say, in a position where you're in the booth and you're creating a character's voice. Say, okay, say a couple lines like this, and they're like, eh, no, a little bit more softer. No, I love that. I love that process. Yeah. The de- developing the character is so fascinating. Well, for me, seeing a drawing is essential because then I really understand what mouth I'm putting the words into, and I can see how the character carries themselves. I can see the posture. I, I have a much better understanding of, of who this person is. And then the process of figuring out exactly you know, the nuances of who they are. In the case with Overwatch, I have the writer on the phone and the voice director, and I can get context. Because generally when they send you a script, they don't send you the conversation. They send you only your lines. So you don't know what you're reacting to. And you're sort of in a vacuum. You don't know what the action is. You're just doing this voice. So I always am asking for context. I'm always asking, what am I responding to? I always need to find all that out. And then once you have a lock on who they are, they can kind of give you anything, and you could say it in character. Well, there's quite a few of you, so I'd like to open this up to any kind of Q&A. Could we hear some voice lines? Sure. (laughs) Sure. I have a hard time doing it sitting down. I'm one of those stand and deliver voice actors. Sitting and doing it is hard, so I could try, but I might have to pick up the mic and stand. I've got you on my radar. (laughs) Rocket jump. That sounds dangerous. (laughs) But do you need the ultimate? Justice reigns from above! How do you sit and say that? You don't. She's not sitting. You never do. Yeah, that's Can't like be too done. hard. Yeah. Any other any special requests? I feel like my lounge act. What's <laughs> special requests, anyone? <laughs> Did Farah have any uh, lines that were in a different language? I know a lot of the characters said I can't remember it far. Wouldn't you think that she would? There have been none. Really? Yes, which huh. really surprises me. I would have thought that she would have. You know what? It might be because you know the whole backstory with Farah is that she grew up in Overwatch and in, in this international environment. Who do you think you're closest with within the Overwatch voice acting crew? They're my Overwatch besties! <laughs> I, have, I have my Overwatch besties. My Overwatch besties are Lucy and Carolina, who does Sombra, and Anjali, who does Sumetra, and Chloe, who does Widowmaker. So those are my... Those are the ones who we got like group texts and we're like, hi girls, wait a minute, yeah, that's my, that's, oh wait, you know, I know, you know, I'm also, that's terrible that I haven't said it, uh, Aisha, my mom, Aisha, because I love her, she's fantastic, and she and I also, we, but we have to WhatsApp, we're like always WhatsApping each other, so sorry Aisha, Aisha too. Excluding like the characters you've already acted for, what would be your ideal character to voice act? Hmm. My ideal character to voice act. I think we can separate this out into a number of categories. Let's say if someone was rebooting a bigger project and you could do like if you, if you could perform a role, and then but then I want to also... be the utility player on South Park. I want to be the utility player. I want to be the voice of all the female characters. My favorite voiceover gigs. I've done this now on two shows. My favorite voiceover gigs are when I am the utility player. Because I love when I have to do like six different characters in the show. And I have to like, you know, make this one older, make this one heavier, make this one, you know, a shorter, make this one. It's, I love that. Yeah, I, I've done that in Word Girl, where I'm like five different characters in Word Girl. And I did it on a show called Assy McGee, 
where I was oh, all of the female characters. Did you now? I was all the female characters <laughs> in Assie McGee. And I love being a utility player. That's my fave. So gig, South Park, utility player. Be the chick. Do all the voices. That would be my favorite. That is such a good answer. I lo- oh, that is love such that. a good answer. I love that. Okay, yeah. now, other, then, other phase of the question, let's look at the kinds of roles you wish you could be cast for that you would just love to fall into, if such a thing exists. I feel very fortunate. I get cast in the kind of roles I want. Perfect. <laughs> I'm really lucky. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I tend to like the, like the villains. I tend to like the... Older characters, I, te- I tend to like the characters with a twist, and I tend to get those. So, yeah. That's, so, that's not a bad way to be typecast. I that, know. I know. <laughs> I, feel, I feel very fortunate. That's a, yeah. Was your work in GTA, what, what, what did you do in the GTA series? The most known GTA character that I do is from Gordon Moorhead Rides Again, Molly Malmsteen in all of those. Gordon Moorhead Rides Again is the, on the radio show. It's like that weird old-timey show, and then they wound up doing an animated series of it. And so I do Molly Malmsteen in that. But then I'm like, I'm like I don't know. I don't know, a dozen different characters so, on the different radio shows. utility ro- ro- roles for the radio shows? Yes, wow. I, do, I do that, which is really super fun. And then in Red Dead Redemption, I was, I don't even remember what her character's name was. I was a, a madam. I was some kind of... A, the house of ill repute madam in that and that was like a regular character that wasn't I don't remember her name do you have anything forthcoming that you can talk about that you're in no I can never talk about it isn't that awful it's okay whatever (laughs) yeah no I'm not allowed to talk about any of it right now but um yes I have fun things forthcoming so I'm grateful about that so be excited preemptively for anything Yes. Yes. Well, I'm trying. Well, oh, oh, I do a cameo in a movie coming up called Cruise, where I'm Emily Ratajkowski's mom. Super weird, but yeah. Were you actively seeking like additional screen roles, or just like, just yeah, why not? You know what? What's nice is that at this point, like people know me, and so they think of me for things, and they call me like, Joe, why do you do this? I'll say, Oh, great, I'll do that. So this was a. We need a Jewish mother in the '80s. Who would be like, she's got to be like, she's got to be sexy, but she's got to be really strict. She's got to be, and then, and you will be doing it. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, there we go. So, yeah. Not bad. It's very funny. Yeah, it was great. So what, what is that film about? It's about, in Queens, there's Francis Lewis Boulevard in Queens, New York. And it was a drag racing scene uh, in the 80s where all of these guys would like race their cars and steal radios and it was this whole like tough scene and it's a romance between a wealthy girl from a neighboring suburb and like these rough guys it's like a very 70s feeling film it feels very diner it's like that kind of vibe that sounds really neat yeah it's cool <laughs> if you could voice one other Overwatch character who would it be? <laughs> oh Widowmaker <laughs> Maker, for sure. Like, tell Blizzard, let's do a, a voice swap yeah. patch where everybody does other roles. Wouldn't that be so much fun? <laughs> oh my god, that'd be so much fun. Okay, I'm gonna try, why not? Come into my parlor, said the spider to the fly. <laughs> Let them eat cake. Is that a good one? Wait, which one? Rude. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love that. No one can hide from my sights. <laughs> See, I would be great. I, I can do it. I, sure. What is your favorite thing about Farah? I have two, really. I love that she's so macho and isn't dainty. 
it's so nice to have a female character in a video game who like embraces her strength and isn't rocking a latex bikini practically. And like, it's like it's nice that like she's got this power and she owns it and she's not afraid of being super much. So I love that about her. And I love it's so nice to play a character who's so unambiguously fighting for what's right, whose motivation is to fight for what's right and to fight for what's good. It's so rare that you ever meet someone who's like actually a justice freedom fighter. It's like, it's an incredible, I don't know, I, I feel honored. It's very inspiring and very soul cleansing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, not everybody gets the chance to play or really even see often a Captain America type character that has a degree of complexity. Yes. Because usually that's one of the most dangerous things with writing a leader type character is you inevitably fall into... Well, basically, like Leonardo, the Ninja Turtle from the original series, who's just like the good little boy. Right. He's a nice Boy Scout. Like, eh, there's so much more to it than that. Right? No, I love that she's got mother issues. I mean, it's it's so it's great. It's like, of course, yeah. No, she's like she's a rich character. She's really full. So I love that about her. Does your kid play Overwatch? He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. And not only doesn't he, he's like downright scornful about it. Oh, he's. Why, why do these people want to you know, stay inside and play a video game? They should be fishing. What are the... Wow. <laughs> and I live in New York City. So it's like, what are you talking about? He's, yeah, he has no patience for it at all. He does not play. And then he'll mock me and do Farah's lines in like a mocking tone. Oh. And he's got a really good ear, too. You need to put that on the internet. Oh, he's amazing. Justice meets me, maybe. He's totally, yeah, he's really funny. He's, no, he does not play Now that you know more about the character and she's been more developed, do you have more say in what happens with her? I don't have more say, but because we all have relationships now, I think that the writing caters more to the characters of the people playing them. If that makes sense. I, so I don't actually literally get to say what I want to happen or I think should happen. But I think that when they develop things in the character, they're sort of leaning into me or leaning into the other voice actors. What I did get to do, though, was when I was at BlizzCon, I was wearing my favorite boots that I'm wearing right now. And we talked about a skin. And I don't know if it's happening. But, but the, the, the game developers and I talked about like a flame skin, like a, like a macho car flame skin. We'll see. I don't know if it's happening or not. I don't know. It's not official. No one's yes. giving me any confirmation. Yes. But we did talk about it. So we'll yes. see. These boots are real good. These are the boots, yeah. Yeah, I love these boots. Yeah. So my favorite aspect of Overwatch is the short animated clips. Those short films are gorgeous and beautiful. Aren't they? Blizzard, it's like they're, what, what, well, yes, for starters, where is yours? But, I know where mine but, is. I found out where mine is. I mean, as soon as I saw that first, wait, what? 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 Oh. I'm sorry. There was one that was written for me, but it was going to be too expensive to produce. So I said, I need one. You got to give me one. So hopefully there is one coming up in the future, but there was one written and it was like, it would have been a fortune to produce. What is too expensive for Blizzard? I know. (laughs) I I know the budgets are always, I I, I think that something else is coming down the pike, but I did, but I found that out. I'm like, well, cool. Yeah. So you got a lot of young folks here. Um, do you have any like sage advice to pass on to them as they're trying to find their way and do things? My daughter being one of them, but you know, you seem very successful and things like that. Yes. Thank you. 
What a nice question. I love that question. Okay, now I gotta think for a minute. Now I gotta say something very important and meaningful. Hold on. This is the big one. I love that. Okay. The first thing I would say is to tell you that if anyone ever says no and that you can't, not, well, not that if your father says no, he means no. But other than your father or your parents who say no, when you're, when you're going forward in your lives and in your careers, if somebody says no or you can't, it doesn't mean no or you can't. Never listen to someone telling you no or you can't. It just means they don't know how or they don't know how to help you. Do it. Just do it, do it, do it. There is always a way to figure out how to do what it is that you want to do. The next thing I would tell you is try everything. If there is something that turns you on and there is something that you really want to try to do, don't get lost in the idea that you're only focusing on this one thing and that's what you got to do and that's got to be your focus. Whatever. Don't do that. Do all of the things that you like because you have no idea which thing will be the thing that sticks. You have no idea which will be the thing that will actually take you to the next place. And you have no idea how those diverse interests of yours might come together and make you a very special individual and will have a bunch of talents that would not come together ordinarily, that no career track could tell you to do. Like if you happen to be a fashion consultant and voice actor, <laughs> it's a very weird combination, but it works really well and there are things that I get hired for on both ends that are because I have both of those skill sets. Do everything, you have no idea how those things will come together and coalesce. And don't worry about messing up. I was given sage advice myself where early in my career, I treated my career like it was this delicate little egg. And I was afraid that anything that I might do could crack it or break it, or if I did the wrong thing, if I made a mistake, well, you know, everything could blow up, it could be a mess. I was really fearful. And someone said to me, your career is not a delicate egg. Your career is a Tonka truck. <laughs> you have to crash it into walls. You have to bang it and scratch it and ding it. The more dings and scratches that it has on it, the better off you'll be because you can't be afraid of messing up. You have to just go for it and know that if you're heading in the right direction, you will get where you need to go, dings and scratches and all. But the delicate egg thing will really keep you from doing what it is that you want to do. There's a very famous stage actress and sometimes on-camera actress named Cherry Jones. And her wisdom, and I constantly am going back to this because it's so smart. She always says when she's talking to students that you should never confuse your success or lack of success in your career with your self-worth. They are two totally separate things. And sometimes that's a very difficult thing to do because either whether you're riding high or if you, know, you hit a snag and things aren't working, it's easy to feel low. Who you are and what your value is has nothing to do with how well or not well you're doing professionally. So keep them separate. Amazing advice. Do be sure to check out our other panels that have been released as podcasts, such as the two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle panels I did, one about the legacy of the series and what's to come with co-creator Kevin Eastman and comics creators Tom Waltz and Ben Bishop, and another dealing with the weirdest, most niche characters and storylines across all Turtles dimensions with Tom Waltz and fellow comics writer Eric Burnham. We also did a Ghostbusters panel, also featuring Eric Burnham, the author of the acclaimed Ghostbusters comics, 
as well as Tom Waltz and Doug Banks, game master and showrunner of Ghostbusters Resurrection, the RPG audio drama released here on Nerdy Show. You can find the two Turtles panels on this feed, Nerdy Show, and the Ghostbusters one on Ghostbusters Resurrection's feed. But again, we'll link to them on this episode's page. If you like these panels and like these podcasts, then please do support our continued efforts in nerd podcast entertainment over at patreon.com slash nerdyshow. We have a ton of bonus content, including a lot of exclusive coverage from our convention work. And even a little support goes a long way to keeping us alive and afloat, doing what we do best, and helping us show you a good time. That's patreon.com slash nerdyshow. If you want to give a one-time donation, head to nerdyshow.com slash support, or head to nerdyshow.com slash Amazon, follow our Amazon links, use them anytime you buy anything, and all your purchases will just automatically give us a little bit, which is a great way to contribute on a daily basis, buying what you were already going to buy at no extra cost to you. If you have a little time to spare, we would love it if you'd rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Rating us is super important. It helps us pick up heat so our podcast can find its way into the ears of brand new people who in turn will help us grow and bring more nerd entertainment to you. North Carolina Comic Con is a great show, and there's two of them a year. There's Oak City in Raleigh, North Carolina in the spring, and Bull City in Durham, North Carolina in the fall. This recording was from Oak City, and you will see us at Bull City as well. It's November 9th through 11th at the Durham Convention Center. If you want a very cool, very intimate convention with amazing guests in funky towns with great food, you should definitely head out to North Carolina Comic Con. And if you do, let us know. We'll say hey. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week with an all-new episode of Nerdy Show. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.